I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about workplace role models, where I get the opportunity to ask 60 plus questions to female influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. My vision with this podcast is to raise the workplace ecosystem for women in tech. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces by highlighting female role models in STEM to encourage more young girls and women to unleash their full potential in these fields to reach top leadership roles. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, tech queen Tuje Blut, founder and CEO of Street Bees. Hi, Tuje. Hi, Jasmine. I'm very happy to have you joining us. How are you? Very good. I'm just flew in from LA back to London, so a little bit jet lagged. Well, I'm super happy to have you joining us. Now, let us dive into your journey into STEM. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? I would say energetic, curious, doer. How would you describe your life in three sentences? My life is full of meeting very interesting and exciting people, which I feel very lucky about, and also have the luxury of being curious, asking new questions, finding new ways of doing things. I did other jobs in the past, and I think this is like one big difference of being a founder that you can keep that curiosity alive all the time. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? Oh, it's a whole range. I love anything from K-pop, classic. It totally depends at the moment. What is your personal motto? Just do it. What is your favorite book? That also changes a lot depending on what I'm reading because there's a lot to discover. There's a new one I'm actually listening called Dare to Lead. It's one of my favorites at the moment. What is your favorite podcast? I really like Estelle Perel's podcast about embracing your sexuality. Mac or PC? Absolutely, Mac. Say something interesting about you that most people don't know. I actually have ADHD, which most people wouldn't guess if they've known me, but there are really different types of ADHD, so I have a hyper-focused one. What is your hidden talent? Being fearless, I think. There's nothing that would actually stop me from doing something that I want to do. If you were going to write a book about your life, what would the title be? Keep Moving. Great start. Now, let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, T, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? Istanbul in Turkey. What was your dream job as a child? I always wanted to be the president of United States, but I didn't know being born in Turkey meant that I couldn't be the president of United States. What was your favorite subject in school? Literature. What was your least favorite subject? Chemistry. Never got my head around that. What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? Oh my God. Growing up in a developing country, we had dial-up. That sounds like trying to catch a line. I never forget that. Which were the three first technology gadgets you owned? Probably a PC computer at home. And then a few years later, a mobile phone. Yeah, we had this translator thingy, like a palm thing that you could translate languages. We used to love that. Who was your favorite role model growing up and why? 
This is interesting one because I found role models, not necessarily in like celebrities or valuable people, but I remember meeting someone in India, a girl who had actually a traffic accident, a bit like Frida Kahlo, and she was never able to leave bed again. And her enthusiasm for life, her like stamina and still having the joy for life was absolutely, she's become one of my key role models growing up. Beautiful. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? We can talk about that for three hours. It forms who you are, right? I grew up in a developing country, in a state school, in millennial. For us, choice was always about doing the right thing and personal wants and desires were very much wise if necessary. And I can see that has now generationally significantly changed. Interesting. Now, I'm going to read two quotes. First one, how does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So T, I want to know the choices behind your career path. What did you study at university? There's another quote I love that the path starts appearing in front of you as you start walking. And I really believe that you can't plan everything. So I studied political science, which has nothing to do with what I do today. But remember, I was wanting to be the president. So that made sense at the time. Who and what influenced you to get into your chosen field today? I wanted always to go into politics up until maybe age of 25. That was always my goal. And then I changed direction into technology. What professional roles have you had before that led you to starting your own company? I worked since I was 18, from hosting restaurants to librarian, babysitting. Most recently, I was a strategy consultant for eight years, just before I started StreetBees. What does StreetBees do and what is your title? StreetBees is a deep tech business that connects the world's largest brands with the people on the ground to be able to better understand their lives. And I'm the founder and the CEO. Why did you start the company and what are your main responsibilities? I started the company because having worked as a consultant for eight years, it was clear to me that we need to better connect the world's largest consumer businesses with what people whose lives they are touching every day and what they want. I wanted to create a technology platform that basically connects two sides of the equation together seamlessly. And my main responsibility as a founder, you do everything. I remember from waiting in the canteen of one of our big customers to be able to get a meeting in early stage to Today, running strategy meetings and setting the company's goals and KPIs, it changed a lot. What does a typical workday look like for you? There is no such thing as a typical day. On Mondays and Thursdays, I do all my internal meetings. So these are recurring meetings, team catch-ups, KPI catch-ups. The other three days are very varied. I might be on site with clients. I might be in investor meetings. I might be just taking the day just to think. I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. T, what do you love about your role? It's really seeing other people achieving their goals is the most motivating part for me. What is the best experience you've had in your role so far? We hire people with high potential from a lot of different countries, including like India, Indonesia, countries in Africa. I mean, the same way the part you love is people, the part that's most challenging is also people. And absolutely, the biggest challenge is you get humbled every day that everyone is so different. And as a leader, you have to keep learning every day how to work best with different people. What do you wish everybody understood about your role? 
Oh, that's a deep question. I think the one big challenge is when you are pressed for time, that makes you short. And it's not because you don't care about the person or what's being discussed. I wish everyone understood the demand on our time coming from all directions and not take it personal. What is the common myth about your profession or field that you want to disapprove? People think being the CEO or founder is you make a whole lot of decisions and people report to you and this is how we work. It's so not true. You are basically enabling a lot of other people to make a lot of decisions every day. And then more like an orchestrator, you coordinate their work, which is, I think, quite different to the common understanding of what the role entails. What do you love about working in the tech industry? The sky is the limit. That's the answer. There is nothing that can't be done with technology and that really excites me. Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, Think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is not a stepping stone to greatness. T, what have by far been your biggest achievements in your career? I think on the technical side of this, I don't want to bore everyone with technical details, but we managed to build a knowledge graph technology which can detect where people's desires are and decode their behavior without using any human brain power. And I think that's single-handedly the biggest achievement we got in the last eight years. What's the biggest factor has helped you become successful and in success habits? Listening, I would say I'm a very intent listener and I don't always come across that way because I also love talking about things I'm passionate about. But actually, even when I don't look like I'm listening, and I think that taught me so much to be able to build the business it is today. How do you measure your own performance at work? There are objective metrics we look at. Companies' growth rate, revenue growth. We look at the runway, EBITDA profitability, etc. So these are very straightforward. But I also look at my team's satisfaction. If my team is happy and they are coming to work and want to be there, to me, that's the most important performance metric for a CEO. What is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it? There have been times in the past where, although we were doing really growth-wise, the company was growing 200% year on year, it wasn't a happy place because we were all the time stressed and trying to catch up with the growth pains. And that's definitely something I learned a lot from in terms of how you actually still maintain a happy workforce while you're actually experiencing that kind of growth. What would you say is inspiring and motivating you the most in your role and career right now? It's the ability to change. I feel every year as a growing business, what role expects from you is different and that's very motivating. Let us now jump into the influence of mentorship and role models. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, mentors can guide us through our career journey and open up the world of possibilities. T, do you have a mentor today? Not an official one, but there are four or five people I go to for advice. Who is the female role model you look up to in your field? I actually can't think of one right now. History shows that it has been more common for men having mentors and role models in business than women. T, mm. how important do you think is to have a role model and mentor during one's career? I have never been one for the role models. I think people get demystified in your eyes over time. But mentor, absolutely, is very important because there will be times that leadership can be very lonely and you need to have people in your support network. Let us now move on to leadership. Shirley Samberg, CEO of Facebook, said, I quote, Leadership is about making others as a result of your presence and making sure that the impact lasts in your absence. What does leadership mean to you? enabling people to achieve their dreams. 
What do you consider a good versus a bad leader? Someone only who focuses on their own dream versus someone who makes space for other people's dreams. Who is your favorite female tech leader? Sophie Adelman. She's an amazing tech leader. She built this apprenticeship business called Multiverse. And now she's building another one called The Garden. And she brings a very female approach to leadership, which is not only about growth, but also about the factors we talked about, compassion and building a happy environment. And I think she's finding a really good balance there. How would you describe yourself as a leader? It's a very difficult question. You should probably ask my team. I would describe myself as someone thoughtful and decisive. And as a leader, what values are most important to you? That's a very good question. One of them is to share. I don't believe in competition. We don't compete with each other when we are creating something great. We encourage everyone in our team to share their experience, their learnings. And another one is to dare. We have to keep trying new things that are never done before. What leadership lessons have you learned that have formed you into the leader you are today? That you need to keep listening. You should always be the last one to talk. In any meeting, if I'm doing more than 10% of the talking, that's not good. What are your three strengths and three weaknesses? My key strengths, I would say that I can make decisions in uncertainty and I can communicate them with a lot of faith so that we can make it happen. Like you were saying earlier, you make the feature, you create the feature. On the flip side, the same thing is also a weakness at times because I would always prioritize moving at pace over doing detailed analysis and sometimes that can be a hindrance. Let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today, workplace culture, unlocking the power of diversity, equality, inclusion, and belonging. T, what do diversity, equality, inclusion, and belonging mean to you personally? For me, that's a very important topic, very close to my heart. And what it means is we get to be who we are, no matter where we are. We shouldn't need to leave our characters at the door when we are entering the workplace. What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were going to join a company yourself? It's simple. The first thing is, do I get to feel comfortable as who I am so I can be myself? I don't need to change how I dress, how I talk to be able to fit in. And the second one is, am I allowed to think, question things, do things differently? As a woman, what has been the most significant barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? I don't think as a woman you encounter necessarily challenges that are unique to you. There are a lot of underprivileged groups, right? Depending on not being a native English speaker, not being Christian, or not being a computer scientist, your color, etc. So there are a lot of ways I think you fall into that underdog group. And it's not necessarily a barrier, but you need to be more picky in terms of who you choose to work with. If you're in the mainstream group, your options are larger. It's as simple as that. You can, for example, if you're choosing an investor, you get to choose from a pool of hundreds. Whereas if you are coming from a different background, your pool drops to 10. So you've got to try a little bit harder to make sure one of that converts. Why do you think it's important for more women to join the tech industry, especially as leaders? Because of diversity in thinking, our brains work differently. Again, it's not just about women, but different characters bring different ways of looking at things. Do you and how do you speak with your female and male colleagues about diversity, equality, inclusion challenges in your company? Very openly. This is a very hot topic for us. We do constant measurements on salary gaps, 
for example, we discovered that although there is no salary gap in the same role, we do have more senior men than women in tech. And that's still a problem for us that we are actively working on to be able to change. There are many public and internal discussions about the barriers women face from reaching higher position in the tech industry. How do you feel it has affected and is affecting you? And what is your advice how to best unlock these roadblocks? If you don't like the place you're in, there's a very good saying, move, you are not a tree. So that would be my advice to people that I worked in a company where I learned a lot, but there were also definitely some ceilings. I started my own business instead, where we don't have those ceilings anymore. As the tech industry finds it hard to attract and retain women, what is your best advice or strategies for how other companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity? I think if we adopt simply a policy where we let people be and be flexible around that, that it's not that hard to attract and retain women or any other groups. It also applies, for example, to a father who wants to take a paternity leave or want to be a hands-on father. It's not really a gender thing, but if we let people just organize their own lives around work, then that works. What would you say are the few challenges of implementing diversity, quality, inclusion, culture in a workplace today? Most of them are just not genuine. You see all these organizations appointing a DAI leader and that's it. That's a title. That's a rule. But do they actually mean it in their day-to-day operations? That's usually the challenge. Why and how do you think companies would benefit from having workplace gender diversity, especially better gender representation at the level? It's the diversity of thoughts in decision-making. That's the most important thing. How much do you think the industry has changed regarding these subjects since you joined? Massively, in a positive way. 15 years ago, when I started working as a strategy consultant, we were still asked to wear high heels to a meeting. And like today, you can't just do that. We came a long way, absolutely. It's slow, but it's going in the right direction. Looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? When we look at people, if we stop seeing color, gender, ethnicity, but we just see the person, I think that's the best way to be able to break that bias. Looking forward, what will you do as a leader to improve the bias for the next generation of women in tech? We, for example, do CV reviews that are blind. We don't know if the person is what age, what gender. We don't even show their name, so you can't guess their gender. And you just basically call people to the first interview without even knowing their background, which really helps. Now, let us move on to another hot topic in business today, which is workplace life balance and mental health. T, I know you have, without a doubt, a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain good mental health? It's super important. Sports really helped me. I was mentioning I was in LA for work and on a Sunday morning when I got a few hours, I just went for surfing and I go for a quick run when I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. I find that exercise really gets me grounded. Have you ever experienced burnout? Multiple times. The first time was very bad because I didn't even notice what was going on, but that was the first experience. Unfortunately, I had it again, but this time I knew it, I saw it coming and it was a little bit easier to start slowing down, take time off. But one thing I would leave everyone with as a thought is being tired or exhausted is not burnout. If you do experience a real burnout, it takes six months to a year to recover from it. So you should do anything in your power to avoid getting there because recovery is actually really painful. What would you say motivates you every day to get out of bed? To make a change. 
What is your advice on how other companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in the new now? Make it mundane to talk about it. Even in our like weekly all hands company, we encourage people to talk about their experiences with their therapists or any mental health challenges they are facing. And that makes the topic no longer a taboo. Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and piece of advice for our listeners. T, what is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career? One thing really helped me is as a founder, you juggle a lot of goals like customers, team, office, investors. And someone who is very experienced had told me that Tucha, all those balls are rubber, so they would bounce back if you drop them. So don't sweat too much. You'll make mistakes, but the balls will bounce back. There's only one ball that you are juggling, which is a crystal ball, and it would get smashed into pieces if you drop it. And that's cash. And I thought that was fantastic advice as a founder one thing you can't take your eye off is cash and then what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle it this is a really interesting one very early on i was advised by a few founder friends that i should keep control of the business no matter what and that caused a lot of tension between myself and the investors very early on and i'm glad that very quickly i realized actually that's not how you build a great business you should allow other people to also have control initially it took me a while to realize that is there something you wish you would have known or a skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry Probably one best thing is to really rely on your people to bring in other great people. Rather than spending a lot of time on recruitment, dealing with agencies, asking your own people to recommend someone, that makes all the difference. If you had the ability to go back in time when you were just at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Have more fun. It was a lot of pain. It was a lot of hard work. I would tell myself, just make more time for fun. What advice would you give to young girls and women wanting and trying to break into STEM fields today? I would advise them to reach out to tech companies, leaders with very personal emails and asking for an apprenticeship. Most of us are very open to that. If someone writes to me that, oh, I'm trying to get into technology, I would love to come and do like an internship in your company, we would be, our doors would be wide open and that would give them a lot of new ways of getting into the space. Last but not least, what is next for you and your company? What are your aspirations? It's a full circle around. I haven't given up on politics, so I still probably have a few more years in tech, but eventually I would love to get back to the world of politics and hopefully have a chance to give back to the society that allowed me to create everything we have today. T, thank you so much for being a guest on the Queens of Tech podcast, sharing your journey with, without a doubt, inspire change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women in tech. Thank you so much, Jasmine. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry a minimum of three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative, And to support us, visit queensof.tech.